What's up, guys? It is X Ricci here bringing you the F1 podcast season two, episode seven. Uh, as I said, it is Ricci here with my amazing co host, Erica and Andrew. And Andrew, welcome back from vacation. We missed you, you dearly. Well, I missed you both. <laughs> and Erica, how are you? Good. This bike works better when it's a tricycle, so I'm into it. Thanks for coming <laughs> back, man. <laughs> Why, you miss me? <laughs> It's just fun. I don't know. It's nice when we're all here. That's fair. The more the merrier. I, I think, I don't know if you heard, but uh, Andrew, I think uh, whoever our next sponsor is, they got to send uh, Erica down to Mexico for a week. Yeah, seriously. Everyone's got to go. I know you guys were each there for a week. I've never been to Mexico. Um, feel like that's something that needs to be crossed off the bucket list sooner than later. But uh, yeah, if anyone wants to sponsor me for a trip to Mexico, I am open to discussing sponsorship deals so. Can, cannot be an all-inclusive in mexico depends on which coastal you go to i i've never been to the west coast side i've been to cancun and playa yep i really like playa i think playa, playa was a lot of fun great resorts These the weather was awesome you know it didn't snow at all i've also never been to an all-inclusive <laughs> They're deadly. So, so basically what we've learned is once we get a sponsor, basically first order of business is to send Erica to Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think we're, uh, we're calling people out on our sponsors in the comment section. Hashtag should be like, get Erica to Mexico. Yo hablo pequeño espanol. Uh, you know more yo, Spanish than I do already. <laughs> yo estudio mucho espanol. Um, I know. I basically know how to ask for a table in a restaurant and for someone to not put sugar in my coffee. That's about it. <laughs> you're you're doing good. You're doing good. Um, so I don't know if uh, I've told you guys this, but I went to three Blue Jays games this week. Uh, it's been a busy week, and I went to the game on Friday, and it was the Bo Bichette bobblehead um, day. And you know, you know when you're supposed to go early to get a bobblehead, and then you show up it's 40 minutes before. And you just don't get a bobblehead. So casually, I was leaving the arena and I approached a family and I asked them, I was like, hi, I'm willing to buy a bobblehead off you guys for $20. She actually gave it to me for free. And she's like, we don't need this fourth one. And you probably deserve it more. So Aww. I just want to give a shout out to the, whoever that family was that I met. I And I was very shocked. So, But anyways, Boba Shed is looking nice. But we're not here to talk about Boba Shed, even though the Jays are looking really good right now. We're here to provide our preview of the Miami Grand Prix. Um, so this is a track that has been four years, I guess, in the making. Uh, there's been a lot of discussions about wanting to bring Formula One back to, or bring Formula One to, for, uh, to the Miami area. Um, and um, it's finally happened this weekend. So I don't know if you guys have been noticing, but there's been a lot of press going on lately. Daniel Ricardo was, I think, on The Daily Show Oh, with Trevor Noah discussing about Miami and just the rise of Formula One coming in. Um, you know, we had a fantastic, uh, I mean, not fantastic, but a sad race for Ferrari uh, two weeks ago. I mean, in, Emol in the Emola Grand Prix. So it'll be interesting to see how things go. But actually, before I want to kind of open it up to the pod, um, this is the anniversary of Senna's death and um, May 1st, 1994. Um, so obviously, you know, one of the greatest drivers, too young in my, I think uh, I'm too young to pass away, unfortunately, but yeah, I just wanted to give a, a shout out there. So 
enough of that. I just want to open up. What do you guys think going heading into this weekend? Oh, well, first and foremost, with regards to Senna, his presence is still felt, I think, in today's community, especially with Hamilton. Um, you know, Lewis has mentioned he's like one of his idols, is Ayrton, and just the way he drove. So uh, even though he is no longer with us, unfortunately, too young, he still, his, he still lives on, I think, in Hamilton's uh, driving um, capabilities. Uh, with regards to this week, I'm excited. Uh, there was, I don't know if anyone remember this, but a few years ago, there was a press conference in terms of <clears throat> when Liberty Media took over the F1 in terms of what they wanted, what the F1 wanted, drivers wanted to see. Um, Ricardo said a race in Vegas, which will be next year. A race in Vegas. <laughs> Hamilton said a race in Miami. <laughs> Lewis, your thoughts? Miami race. <laughs> Which is just this weekend, and Alonso asked for equal engines. That'll never happen. Sorry, Fernando, but we got <laughs> we got two out of three. Yeah. Equal engines for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't agree with that one. <laughs> and um, I'm looking forward to this one. I think it's going to be um, a really interesting track. I favor Red Bull out of the gate because of the straight power, straight line speed that they have. And with these three DRS zones, especially the one near the North Campus, that's going to be a mile long. Uh, I think they can do some damage this weekend and kind of claw back in both drivers and constructors. Yeah, I think um, going up for or going into this weekend, I think Red Bull does definitely have the advantage. Um, you know, I'd be really interested to seeing how Carlos Sainz and Leclerc and the team at Ferrari responds. But actually, my eyes are going to be on Nicholas Latifi this weekend. Um, he hasn't had the greatest of start to the to the season, and you don't you know, with... say. <laughs> um, and especially with a lot of uh, with Oscar um, Piastri, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Someone help me Piastri. here. Piastri. Piastri. Thank you guys. Um, with potentially might come in mid season. Um, to swap out Latifi, I, which I don't know, I, maybe it's possible, but um, I don't know. My eyes are going to be on Latifi this weekend to see if he can at least rebound or like, I don't think it's going to be a points finish, but hopefully a P11, P12 to prove that he's still be able to, to race. I didn't realize uh, Williams became the new Red Bull. Yeah, with regards to changing trackers mid-season. People. <laughs> yeah. But, you but, know, um, like, it's true. Hey, it's survival of the fittest, right? Honestly, um, like at a certain point, it doesn't matter how much sponsor sponsorship money and stuff you're bringing with you. Teams want drivers that can perform, and especially like Albin getting that point in Australia, and people being able to show. Even though you know he's had his own issues with the car, and it's definitely not the most drivable thing that Williams has ever produced. I think maybe the team's kind of seeing. You know, we've got this guy who's been able to come in, who's been driving with F1 for a couple years, similar to Latifi at this point and who's able to produce a race that's worthy of a couple points. So wouldn't be surprised if it's a conversation people are having, if not mid-season, when his contract is done. Generally, it's not good when the sponsorship money is going to Williams to fix your car up yeah. week after week after week and week out. You mean people don't like fixing up cars instead of developing them? That's... Not in this cost cap era. <laughs> but I... It's so tough to predict, right? When you think about like up until last until last race in Imola, when you know we were thinking, 
you know, Red Bull and Ferrari powertrain teams were just, you know, aside from Alpha Terry, have been doing really well. And then all of a sudden we got, you know, McLaren there with yeah. Norris scoring a podium, right? So, and Russell going P4, which I find interesting how he can maximize the car and Lewis cannot, so, like just cannot drive that car. Can we just take in the fact that for the first four races of the season, um, George Russell has been four, five, three, and four. And still whatever issues that is happening in that Mercedes silver arrow, he's still been able to pull it off while um, Hamilton has not. He's been really like, he's, it's literally taking everything out of his body. Cause he's even said too, that he even has chest pains, back pains. Like he's short of breath a lot when driving that car because of all the porpoising, but Hey, like it's literally taking everything out of him, but he's scoring results. And I don't know what's going on with Hamilton. Like I thought Nico put it really well the other day. I know people were ragging on Nico Mm -hmm. for him saying it 20 times, but it's true. Like, how do you have your inexperienced driver, quote unquote, finished nine positions ahead of you know, an eight time or seven time world champion. Sorry. That's going to trigger a lot of people when I say eight time world champion. (laughs) Flashbacks of Abu Dhabi right now. I think there's a lot of questions to be raised with that for sure. And I mean, it wasn't just Mercedes that was having issues with porpoising last week. If you saw some of these guys coming off the kind of starting straight going into some of the the turns last week it was an aggressive amount of movement coming from those cars like everyone was kind of do you remember like when you were a kid if you were outside like a grocery store or like zellers or target or something you there'd be the little car and you put the quarter in and it would kind of like bounce up and down mm-hmm. and move a little bit yeah that's kind of what the cars looked like coming down the straights a little bit last week so um I think there's definitely some work to be done, but they've had a two week gap. And as much as a lot of that is for logistics purposes ahead of Miami, um, I'm curious to see if anyone's made more advancements. And like, I mean, if we're looking at Imola versus, um, you know, the the track in Miami, I do think that McLaren might, if they, you know, continue with the momentum they have, might be another competitive car where we're looking at another podium because Imola, it doesn't have as many straights, and obviously the McLaren doesn't have the straight line speed, but it's not exactly the most twisty of tracks. So um, to see that there's still some good speed coming out of the car, hopefully we don't have a little mishap with Danny Rick again, and he can show what he's able to do with that vehicle as well. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I just think like Mercedes are going to have to figure out this. I I I hope. I think I read an article talking about how Sha- um, the trackside engineering director, Andrew Shovlin, said that they've made some positive steps before Miami with regards to the bouncing issue. But I'm, I'm saying if if the porpoising is still that bad, it's going to be a very long race for Mercedes this weekend because like the whole like, the, there's three main straights in this. They're going to have to lift off the gas so that they can kind of maintain, you know, the levelness of the car then. It's just not going to be competitive again. <laughs> like, it's just, I, I can't say anything about Russell because he's shown that even despite this, the car's limitation, he's been able to just put it in a window to maximize everything and get results. And uh, just the last, you know, to be to a, to a point though, Hamilton, have, you know, they, he's been able to score points too, but last week was just, or a couple weeks ago, was just bad, like really bad. 
I think it's an interesting point you raised about like George being able to fight the car a little more. And one thing that sticks out in my mind is that, you know, Hamilton is not a spring chicken anymore. He's a little bit older. And I'm curious if it's just like, you know, a younger guy who's maybe able to recover and deal with the physical toll a little bit better versus someone who's, I mean, he's definitely not old, but he's older than some of the other people competing in this sport. So, you know, maybe recovery isn't as easy. It's not so fun to kind of try to spring back from, you know, three days in a row of driving and, uh, you know, still being able to pump out results. There's definitely issues with the car, but I'm just curious if that's that's maybe a factor that's at play here. You know what I think what the wild card will be this weekend is just all the media attention and maybe all the off-track entertainment or whatever the parties are, are going to happen. It's like maybe some of throwing these some of these younger drivers off maybe could play be a factor because like yeah you know miami it is a party city there's no doubt about it and um i don't know is mclaren having something in the south end you said erica or they're having like some party yeah i don't know if it was anything to do with like the drivers and staff but there was a whole thing that went out to anyone who's part of mclaren plus talking about like a viewing party in south beach and so there was opportunities to like i think there were like paid tickets you could get but then there were some that were free just to show up and be a part of it too um to like watch qualifying in the race and whatnot together and i'm assuming with that there would be events and stuff where you know their swag being given away maybe someone makes an appearance um but yeah just kind of curious i mean obviously south beach is a little ways away from the track i think um but nonetheless that's kind of like right in the heart of where a lot of these people i imagine would want to stay when they're in town for the race because it's sort of like that main party drag when i think of like all the fancy hotels in miami so good news is that they can hold off the partying until after the race on sunday because they don't have to race until an, we'll have another two-week break and then we could finally get some back-to-backs and get into a rhythm it's kind of really? weird how we really had this many two-week breaks to start it i feel like i don't remember there being this many two-week breaks at the start of the season the last few years I think it's good for them though. Like, I think it's, I think it was necessary this season because they needed to figure out ways to, you know, with, with whole new regulations and everything like that, being able to analyze the data and make the adjustments necessary to really be able to be competitive. I think the FAA did a good job in terms of allowing teams that time to do that, you know, you know, who, depending on who maximizes that in that case will, will be seen. But I think um, I think the few few races needed a couple week breaks in here and there because just so that they can, you know, figure out the early issues and kind of take that in stride. Uh, it looks like obviously Ferrari and Red Bull have figured it out and we'll see who else can figure it out down the stretch. I also forgot to mention this. Um, I know we talked about this in the last episode. Um, Andrew, you weren't here, but Erica, um, Full credit to Daniel Ricardo because when we were filming um, that weekend's episode, there was footage that came out that he went over to Ferrari's, um, I guess, mobile. I don't know what you call it. Their paddock? Yeah, their paddock. Yeah, their paddock. And wanted to apologize to Carlos Sainz. And it, it was interesting how he approached it too um, because he didn't just walk in to the paddock. Like, you know, that's like kind of like enemy territory. It's like he waited outside. He said, can I speak to Carlos and then wait? And then I guess a Ferrari person came and grabbed him, but I just wanted to give full, um, full credit to uh, Danny Rick for that. Um, but yeah, I think I did call him a wanker in that our segment, but I will go back to rockstar. I think 
If I'm allowed to do that. If I'm allowed to do that. How he handled it. So you know what? I appreciate. You know what? This is the thing. We're not afraid to admit our mistakes. Like I admitted I was wrong about saying that Leclerc was a hyped up driver. Although last week, you know. (laughs) You lose. (laughs) (laughs) One little mistake that, yeah, cost him a few points. Sure. (laughs) Still 27 points in the lead of the championship. And I'm like, like, isn't that that crazy? You cough up. A, uh, you know a podium place last week yet you're still like miles ahead of your competition in the driver's standings. but not only that is like he made up i think three or four spots because of that regardless of that screw up yeah. oh and, th- and that has to do with the car too i think i think you know as i said friar is going to win the constructors championship this season uh we just need to have science finish a race this weekend he's yeah, probably so great. happy that there's no gravel traps in miami smooth operator speaking of which did you see like they have like a fake marina oh my goodness at, this, at this like track yeah so the as part of the track layout they're gonna put a fake marina in and literally fake water S- what fake, how is that even possible it's gonna be like it's, it's like either like a film or it's like painted are they <laughs> just the mad because like other street circuits have that like monaco's got the water and the marinas and i think they're just trying to incorporate miami beach into okay but i saw a tweet was funny it goes like if geo doesn't go there this weekend and walk on water then he isn't jesus oh that explains so much because i saw a picture where someone photoshopped gunther with the boat from Drive to Survive. And I was like, I don't understand the context of where they've photoshopped him in. Now I get it. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. All right, all right, all right. I am behind on the times, evidently. But you can't you can't play the Miami track in F1 2021, can you? No, I don't well, think it's in there. But it's coming out, it could be, I think it might be coming out in 2022, that which comes out in July. I feel like that would make sense. Why release a track before it's actually been raced on? Yeah, because I, I remember when uh, they announced um, Las Vegas, I already saw it within, within a couple hours on Reddit, someone made a, a modded track. So. Hmm. It should be interesting. Interesting. But I think it's going to be fun. I think the big question is, uh, I'm curious to know what the sectors are, because that's not been made apparent to me at this point in time. But I have a guess. What's your what guess? is your guess? Okay, so just based on what I've seen in terms of like turns and whatnot, I think from the start line to turn nine could be one. And then from nine to say maybe 15 or 16 would be the sector two. And then 16 to the end of, to, to the start the finish end, line yeah. would be sector three because that, that would have each each sector would have a DRS zone effectively. And that straight between 16 and 17 is quite long. And we see that in Bahrain, they have like sector three is like that long straight at the end um, with the two, with the two turns and then go. So I think that could be it. I think it could be one to nine and then from nine to 16 would be sector two. And then 16 to the start finish line would be sector three. That is going to be a bad area for teams that are struggling on the straights is 16 to 17. We're going to, I think we'll be able to see a lot of passing happen there. I'd hope so. This is like, it's like, it reminds me of Baku <laughs> and that's straight. Which I think that'll be 
to go back to in a few weeks' time to go back to Baku after last year. I think there's a lot of unfinished business, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Miami. So, oh, I think it's going to be a great spectacle this weekend. Um, I think it's going to be the vibes are going to be very there with regards oh to the. And I wish I was there to party because that would be it would be quite the time. I think it would be so fun and like some of the teams are really getting behind it like the line of Miami gear McLaren released I wanted to spend so much money <laughs> on all of it it was so nice but just it wouldn't get here in time for the race so kind of like it'd be nice G- to have but Andrew did you end up getting uh that Austin Martin bucket hat that I sent you no I didn't unfortunately not <laughs> Okay, because I think I'm trying to save up enough money to get that six thousand dollar three in one jacket. There's a six thousand dollar three in one jacket. No, that's six hundred something. Okay, still Still a crazy amount. Someone's got to pay for that sponsorship dollars. Again, sponsor us, and then we can wear your swag. Peace, (laughs) love. Hey guys, it's Richie here. Just taking a quick break from the pod and just want to say thank you guys so much for the support we really appreciate it so make sure to find us on uh, instagram apple Podcasts, spotify twitch and youtube and um, we're really excited for the miami grand prix this weekend and i hope you guys like this week's episode so enough of me this is kind of our little break and then we're gonna get right back into the pod thanks everyone drink all day play all night let's get it popping I'm in Miami. Do we get any fan questions this week? I didn't see any. No fan questions this week, but I have a question to the pod. Let's hear it. Enlighten so, us, Andrew. With regard, since there was discussions that uh, Piastri was going to take over um, Latifi's seat midway through the season, what if? All right. So, what are your thoughts on this? That the winner of the F two season gets automatically promoted to F1 and replaces the last place driver in F1 for the previous season, who gets then demoted or relegated to F2. I know this is very complicated with sponsorships and whatnot, but I would love to see that form of element in there because then it actually forces teams to try, (laughs) you know, and forces drivers to not want to be dead last. So I'll take a stab at this one first. I think it's a very intriguing idea. Um, I also think that for some of these guys, like they work so hard in F2. Like there's a lot of effort and a lot of time and skill put in there. And to know, like, if you think about Piastri, I mean, the guy just absolutely ran away with the F2 season last year. And then to not even have a seat in the next step up when it's kind of what you would expect from someone who A, performed that well, and B, you know, there were so many shifts and openings kind of, you know, making an appearance on the grid, you you would have anticipated that. So, um, you know, as much as I know the teams kind of need the money, especially, you know, we've got cost caps and it's so expensive to develop a car, especially this year with it being so new and everything of that sort. I understand why some of the teams made the choices they did, but we've got this fantastic driver who is a reserve driver, not really doing too, too much, I don't think. Like... I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't think of any instance really where I remember seeing him even doing like a practice run in the Alpine, maybe like once or twice, something like that. And then he may have been like lent to McLaren when Ricardo had COVID and they weren't sure if he'd be able to race. But 
I to me I think it's a good way to reward people and actually like you were saying Andrew I think for some of these teams who are just used to accepting that they're going to be lower down the grid to be like a little more competitive and have a little bit more of a battle not just for whoever's going to take the title at the top but to avoid relegation down at the bottom so question I'm going to jump in here so question to Andrew or to the our fans isn't the new regulations requiring that the reserve drivers need to spend time at practice in the car. Yeah, there are regulations that require, I think, I forget what the rule is, but yeah, more reserve, there's got to be more time for reserve drivers to be in practice. But it's practice. Anybody tell you that I miss practice? If, 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 if a coach say I miss practice and y'all hear it, then that's that. We ain't we're talking, talking about the we're game. Talk, we're talking about practice, man. Talking about practice. We talk about the game, you know, the game that they live and die for. To sum it up, when you just talk about practice, we sitting here, I supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. I mean, it, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game. Not, a, not, not the game that I go out there and, and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not <laughs> they're talking about practice like you see like teams in practice teams run whatever they want in terms of their um you know data if they want to see how they do in the short ones long runs right it doesn't matter um you know they kind of just get thrown in the car and they try to do the maximize their data but they're not racing mm-hmm. and so, that's it it's not necessarily a good indicator of anything to come because like you said they want to know how each compounds going to do on the track that week you know in certain conditions and whatnot so like you tell me people like in the nfl want to just be saddled with the practice squad no they want to go play on the they want to play in the big leagues want to play the big teams like it's the same concept in f1 like as much as they love to be reserve drivers they want that f1 seat yeah and, and and it's sad because there's there's obviously a lot of great drivers that that come out of the f2 program and it's proven like you know you know, we have Mick Schumacher, Lance Stroll, like, uh, you know, George Russell came from the F2. Uh, like, pretty much half the grid has came from the F2 program. I think it was Joe in F2? Yeah, he yeah. came third last year and uh, well-deserved uh, third and was rewarded a seat this year. But um, my only worrisome is if, if we come to the – I do like that promotion and uh, promotion – and relegation zone like i actually think there's always been a debate if they want to bring that to the u.s soccer feel like to mls um uh but like my only worrisome is like okay so if there's multiple drivers that are like get zero points at the end of the year which happened last year so it's like then how do you determine who would get relegated like would it just be like who finished the what is do more teams get more points now so i think there will be have to be a lot of like open negotiations yeah. on, on some of those rule changes so it's like Obviously, what's the average the person has placed? Do crashes now have more of an impact on like your your standings or like where you end up if you're stuck in a relegation battle? Like, yeah. So that's that's some of the kind of questions I would have. I think one way. I think one way to alleviate that would be well, there's two ways to do it. I think one would be you take like their their best ten race results. And you compare from there because then or your best 12 you take half the season take their best results and you know go for because you know you're gonna have crashes and dnfs and you know so on and so forth so eliminate those in terms of the performance to go from there or 
better yet, let's get some more teams in F1 for crying out loud. Like, I don't think the talent is watered down anymore. There's so many good drivers coming through the system. Like, I don't know how many, like, there's so many drivers that come through F2 that deserve a shot at F1 and they don't get it. So they get saddled off to IndyCar, mm-hmm. which is still a great, which is still great, but it's like, they want to be, like, you work so hard to get an F1. Let's get a couple more teams in it. Maybe we'll start with one. So we'll see how that goes. And then maybe two, because I don't think the talent's watered down anymore as it used to be. There's going to be a lot, there's be a lot of competitive racing. I think my concern with adding more to the grid, and I feel like we talked about this at some other point, is just, you know, getting, I think it would have to change which circuits they go to, because on some of them, we already have like a decent amount of, if you think about like Zandvoort last year, it was just like so much lapping and traffic that people had to get through, even with just 20 drivers on the grid. So to have like 22, 24, I'm kind of curious what the impact would be on that. Obviously there's other tracks where people are able to space out and stuff. It's not really as much of a concern, but um, you know, kind of curious, like think about this past week at Imola, like with Leclerc, he had a little, there were people who were, you know, lapping half of the way up the grid. What would the impact be if there were even more cars you had to get past, right? So, um, but the other thing I'm curious about with like the moving and relegating and promoting, would be the impact on driver contracts. So would we see shorter contracts, maybe even only for a season with drivers pushing for a higher dollar value because they want to get paid the most that they can, knowing that the season might be a bit of a crapshoot? That's what I, That's kind of what I wonder. So, or wonder if you had a clause saying that if you do finish last, your contract becomes null and void after a certain date. Or if they have to pay you out a certain amount or something yeah. if you end up being relegated, right? So. There's, there's my legalese hat going on right there. And I'm <laughs> thinking about that, obviously, but uh, yeah. No, I'm know. curious I, what, I'm curious what her fans think about that. Yeah. So right in the comment section below, like, do you think a promotion slash relegation uh, system could work in F1? And, you know, obviously we just talked about this for like 10, 15 minutes, but like, love to hear what everybody else thinks. I'd also be curious what sponsorships, if, if a driver does have a sponsorship deal, and they get relegated. Does that sponsorship deal come to you, to the new team, or yeah, curious? But where does it go with the driver? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's obviously some that would go with the driver. I mean, like Safina would go with Latifi, obviously, because his dad works at the company. And like, if Stroll were to be relegated, there'd be a whole bunch of stuff coming from Daddy Lawrence going with him. But uh, <laughs> you like that one, eh, Daddy Lawrence? <laughs> but um, I, I prefer Bond villain. Bond villain? Yeah, that's oh. a good one. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm curious. I'd want to know what people think about that because I think that's an interesting conversation to have. So I have even a better one. So dad, you said Daddy Lawrence or what is? what did you just say? Sorry. Daddy Lawrence. Yeah. Daddy Lawrence. Okay. What Bond villain would he be? Hmm. Uh, the man with the golden gun. Man with the golden gun. I think that's one of the Sean Connery ones. It's one of the like OG ones where he's basically got that was like, like a private Lee. island. I think. Like Scaramanga. Yeah, I don't even remember. <laughs> I basically just know who Bond was. 
But, like, there's a whole... I don't know. It's just very, like, rich people doing the crazy things with, like, insane compounds and private islands and stuff. And, like, he's literally got a gun made of gold. And that's kind of, like, the calling card of this whole shtick. So... Was that was that the where it's the one where you know the laser's about to cut up Bond and he's just like, "What do you expect me to do?" And it's like, "No, Mister Bond, I expect you to die." That was Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Yeah, that yes. was gold. Goldfinger. So, <laughs> um, no, it's he's trying to get a device that harnesses solar energy or something like that, and then he gets targeted by a famous assassin. It's a whole thing. Oh, it's Roger Moore. It's not Sean Connery. It was one of the Roger Moore Bond movies. So, I don't know. But that was just the one that came to my mind. Extravagant displays of wealth involved. So, um, <laughs> that's that's actually really good. Um, just judging, just looking at the time. Um, is there anything last last kind of it? Uh, last kind of thoughts we have going into Miami, obviously new track and stuff. Um, you know, I think for, uh, for fantasy, um, it's kind of all over the place for, for me. Um, but I, I had to drop, uh, Carlos Slines to the last, the last one. And I put all my money in and Red Bull for constructors for the next couple of weeks. I yeah, think from... Go ahead, Sorry, Erica. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Erica. Yeah, for me, um, I can't remember what exactly is going on in Grid Rival, but I think I'm going to be a happy camper and bring, obviously, uh, like, if I can keep Leclerc, because I think I've got him for a few more weeks and stuff, that would be fine. But I might bring Norris back into the mix now, because I feel like McLaren's in a place now where I'm willing to take a gamble on them. Um, not really a gamble if it's your favorite driver and you're just kind of, like, blindly going to support them anyway. <laughs> but um I, for me i think keeping botas in the lineup is a smart idea um i feel like that's a car that might be a little more reliable and he's just driving that thing super well so i'm willing to put my money on him ending up in the points again for sure yeah i'm gonna have to make a couple moves this week to get out of the basement because i've had a i had a rough week last week so Nothing can really hurt me, to be honest with you. So I'm just gonna just try some new strategies out, see how it goes. What have Kev you got to lose, Andrew? <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Magnuson is 10.2 million. I, I don't think because he's consistent. He like three something when he started the season. Like he's already gone up that much in mm -hmm. value. Not or? only that, he was like the driver that you picked last, like two years ago, because it's just like you're, they're not getting any points if you just have to just put a bottom driver. That was your guy. Just think about it. Now Haas is doing relatively well. Uh, Gunther's excited because he doesn't have to do unspeakable acts in the paddock for points. <laughs> or have to like model with uh, boats. Well, maybe he still has to. I feel to. like he still, say, has to the, <laughs> he still has to do the Aldi catalog, but you can do it with more confidence now. <laughs> the smile will be genuine and less forced. <laughs> um okay i i think that's it uh for this week's episode um i think there's a lot of excitement going in going into miami this weekend i think you know it'll be interesting to see how some of the drivers do um and then we'll kind of see how fantasy goes so i think on the, on that note i think i'm gonna we're gonna end it here uh but thank you everyone for so much for tuning in 
Um, it's been a fun week. And, you know, I'm happy the whole team is back. We're excited for this weekend. Um, we're all in one air, one country now. This is exciting. Um, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Follow us on YouTube, um, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Instagram, at f1.podcast, and also on SoundCloud and on Twitch. For the pod, it is Richie here. To Andrew, to Erica, to sign us off. I forget how we do this. No, yeah, go ahead. Well, I want to thank everybody for joining. What is actually, it's a milestone episode, everybody. It's our 20th, it's our 20th episode we're doing. Wow. This is our 20th episode. So we thank you for being here for the first 20 or 19. And uh, we can't wait to uh, continue to provide more F1 content from episode 20 onward. Uh, But Erica, what would you like for the fans to do? I would really like it if they liked and subscribed, Andrew. I think that would be a swell idea. Exactly. Please like and please subscribe to uh, our YouTube channel, or XReachie, as well as uh, Apple Podcasts if you have Apple, uh, Spotify if you have Spotify. And uh, tell your friends about us because we love um, to, uh, you know, would love to grow our base. And if you have any sponsorship opportunities, let us know. I love that we're pushing so hard for sponsorship. (laughs) I don't know why that makes me happy. I'll take a 10 pack of Timbits from a fan any day. <laughs> I feel like that's how you know you've made it. Someone just hands you a pack of Timbits off the street. Like, hey, man. Here you go. Or if you're walking down the street and it's like, hey, you're the guy from the F1 podcast. And I'm like, yeah. it's not just me. I got a team. But yeah, thank you. <laughs> one day, one day. Anyways, on that note. We're going to sign off and we'll see you guys next week um, after the Miami inaugural Miami Grand Prix. Thanks, everyone.